Well, hello, everybody. Hi, come hey. on. Hello, everybody. Hey. <laughs> so I know that normally we do things a little bit different here on HMB. We normally talk basketball, but I figured it is only right. I am an equal opportunist when it comes to my sports, and I have to show the NFL some love, especially as we enter championship season, playoff season. And there's a lot to get into. Now, the playoff picture is not 100% set just yet, but we have some ideas of what exactly it's going to look like. There are the usual suspects, and then there are some people who are still trying to get in that I want to get into. I want to talk about Cam Newton. You know how I feel about Superman Cam and the Patriots. They're just not doing good. I got to talk about my man, Russell Wilson. Chris, what is going on with my Seahawks? Why is Russell Wilson not going to be MVP this year? I'm very upset about that. I had all my money on him, so I'm not thrilled about where that is going. But before I get into it, we have some new faces here. So I want to give everybody an opportunity to introduce themselves. You guys already know me. I'm Ashton Comas, and I'm going to be hosting this special today. But I want to introduce everybody else. So, Michael, let's start with you. Hey, everybody. I'm Michael Raziel. I'm here with Wind Daily Sports. You can see us break down the NBA, the NFL for betting and fantasy sports purposes. We're here to make you money. That's why we're here. So we appreciate each and every single one of you guys. So thanks for having me, Ash. Appreciate it. Of course. Does anybody ever hit you up when they don't win, when they bet the way you tell them to? Because yes. I would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens more often than you'd hope, unfortunately. But you know what? It is what it is, right? They'll be fine. We'll give them winners too. We'll give them winners too. Listen, I feel that. Chris, take it away. What is up? Yes, my name is Christopher. I am floating around right now. Got to get back on my old podcast here with Hoops and Brews and whatnot. But I do host a podcast covering the Seattle Seahawks called Seahawks Man to Man. It's a great insight with my friend Michael Sean, who writes for The Athletic. I'm producer, of course. And here to talk some football. So, again, thanks for having me, Ash. Always. Daniel, King Watch LA in the building. Your favorite time of year is right around the corner. Let's let's talk about it. What is up? I'm Daniel. I run King Watch LA. It's a podcast on Hoops and Brews Media TV. And I just cover all things Lakers. The defending champions are looking to start next week. And <laughs> here to talk a little about football tonight. Don't really talk much about football, but we're here. Since are you guys discussing... gonna, are you guys gonna repeat? Is that a question? That's a question. That's a legitimate question. Of course, we're going to repeat. Okay, we'll see. And we got some ladies in the house because, you know, I'm all about spreading the love when it comes to my fellow women in sports. So, Tarika, introduce yourself to the crowd. Tell us what you do, where you're from. Give us the 411. So, hey, everybody. Thanks, Ash, for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. Um, my name is Tarika Foster Brassie. I am a digital producer for ESPN Radio. So, I produce the women's basketball podcast around the room with Latina Robinson. Um, but I also love sports, talk sports. Um, I'm a multimedia journalist. So, I've written for The Undefeated, The New York Times, ESPNW. Um, I've crushed many of Twitter people trying to come for me talking about this NFL thing on a regular, so I need to add that to my bio too. I'm crushing folks on Twitter. Um, but, but no, it's just good to be here, and I, I'm just ready to chop it up with you guys. Listen, I know all about crushing Twitter trolls, okay? You should have seen my mentions over the past few days when Giannis signed his max contract. So I am no stranger to that game. And last but certainly not least, Miss Kelsey. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Tell us what you do, where you're from, the whole thing. 
Yeah, well, I'm also excited to be here. Tarika, tell them don't come for you unless you call for them. I just had to put that out okay. there, but I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Born and bred in the DMV. I still live in the DMV area. I work with the Washington football team hosting three of their shows, two digital shows and one TV show on NBC Sports Washington. I also work with Fox Sports Radio here in D.C., where I have my own radio show and podcast, Listen In with KNN. I actually just wrapped up a show with Anthony Dorsett Jr. I've worked for a lot of people. I've worked with NASCAR, SB Nation, and many, many more. I cover all of our DC sports. We're still calling ourselves District of Champions, right? Since we just had the Mystics prior to last year and so many more. But an honor and pleasure to be here. I work with ESPN Radio. So yeah, lots of people, lots of things. I just love covering sports. So honored to, to get to do that each and every day. I love it. And as a woman in sports, as a woman in sports radio, it's nice to have some fellow sisters in radio on the panel with me. So let's just get right into it. I want to start with the AFC first because I feel like there's so much to talk about. No surprise, the Kansas City Chiefs sit at top of that conference once again. They already clinched a division title. Now they haven't clinched a first round bye just yet. There are some scenarios that scenario would look like Kansas City would have to win. Pittsburgh would have to lose and Buffalo would have to lose or tie in order for them to clinch a first round bye. So, Michael, I'm going to start with you. Are they going to clinch? Come on. Is it going to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe not this week, but it's definitely going to happen. And I think that's the easy part. I mean, they're the Kansas City Chiefs. They don't look interested at all playing football anymore. They're kind of here just waiting for the playoffs. And I think it's a foregone conclusion. They'll get the first round seed. They'll be down by a bunch of points. They'll come back. They'll win. We've all we just. We just watched the movie last year. Let's just part two. Let's do it again. Is it safe to say, and I want to pose this question to everyone on the panel, is it safe to say that the Kansas City Chiefs are the new New England Patriots when it comes to the new dynasty in the NFL? Are they going to be in the Super Bowl? Are they going to be winning the conference titles consistently for the next few seasons? Daniel? I think for the next 10, 12 seasons, yes. I, wow. I, think, they'll, I think they'll be better than whatever the Patriots were. 10 or 12 seasons. That's that's a long time. It sucks because I'm a Broncos fan, so I have to watch Mahomes in the division Mm -hmm. every single year. We got to lose to him twice. And I just, I don't see how Mahomes doesn't do that for the next 10 to 12 years. He just makes it look simple when they're not even trying in the regular season and still they're 11 and 12 and 1. It's just, it's nuts. Well, I mean, he did get that massive contract that locks him into Kansas City for a very long time. So, I mean, if you're Kansas City, that sounds good because you spent half a billion dollars to keep your quarterback around for that long. And you probably didn't do it thinking that he was just going to stop winning Super Bowls after the age of 27. So, Kelsey, I want to ask you, are the Kansas City Chiefs the same question, the new dynasty in football? Look, they look good. It's hard to bet against them. But being here in the DMV and covering the Baltimore Ravens, prior to the start of the season, what were we all talking about? The AFC was going to be the Chiefs and the Ravens competing, right? But then this year, the Ravens have just been a true surprise in all aspects because they weren't what we thought they were they were last season. So the Chiefs look good. It's hard to count out against them. And if Patrick Mahomes keeps playing like Patrick Mahomes and having those weapons alongside him, I don't know who's going to beat the Chiefs. Well, you bring up the Baltimore Ravens, and that's a great point. I'm sure everybody here, or at least I hope everybody here, watched that Monday night football game with the Browns and the Ravens. I mean, listen, whether or not what he was doing in the locker room at the time, whether it was a cramp or something else, I mean, you couldn't have written a better scenario than that. That was something out of a movie. I want to ask, let me start with you, Chris. Lamar Jackson, Do you think that he is going to get better? And could the Baltimore Ravens, granted they stay together, granted they're able to pay Lamar Jackson the money that he wants, 
are they the team that could potentially bring down the Kansas City Chiefs at some point in the future? Without a question, I think for the most part with Lamar, it's about just being consistent. And he hasn't been that this season, but he's getting back to the hang of things. You saw that in their win recently. He came out, got cramps, of course. Everyone thinks he might have been pooping on himself, but I, I personally <laughs> believe he had cramps. And he came out and he showed why he's one of the best quarterbacks in this league and why he should be respected. Granted, he's had a tough year overall as a team, but this Baltimore Ravens team, defensively, they they can definitely get it done. They didn't show it on, on Monday night, but that's neither here nor there. The ultimate question is can they knock off a team in the Kansas City Chiefs? And I would say absolutely. I mean, Lamar is capable of doing it. He has the weapons to do so. And, again, I've touched on that defense. I think that's one team that people should pay attention to, and especially how they end the season. I expect them to just win out, win their next three games, and look for a solid seed going into the postseason. If they can do that, it ultimately leads for a matchup against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are – everyone's talking about how bored they are and they're having – they're, they're not having fun, right? Well, that could be an opportunity for a team like Baltimore who's hungry and wants it for them to come out and show that, hey – we want this. You saw that with the Tennessee Titans last year when they beat Baltimore. Everyone was like, whoa, yeah. how that happened? Well, they wanted it more. And Baltimore was like, bro, we won this many, many games. We got Lamar Jackson's MVP, and we saw what happened. I'm not saying that's what will happen mm-hmm. with the Chiefs, but that's something that you got to keep in the back of your mind with the way they're playing at 12-1 and right now, looking to probably only lose two games this season, ending 14-2. and But, yeah, I would definitely pay attention to the Baltimore Ravens because Lamar just proved again that, yeah, he's having a tough season, but when it counts, he steps up to the plate and he showed it. And I'm glad you mentioned the next three games that Baltimore has to face. The next three games, you're looking at the Jaguars, the Giants, both in Baltimore, and their last game is going to be at Cincinnati. So it's safe to say, unless something astronomical happens, which can happen, I mean, this is the NFL, that Baltimore is going to go ahead and win out. But I want to ask Tarika, and then I'm going to go to Michael. What do you think that the Ravens need to do to continue lifting, elevating Lamar Jackson as a quarterback and hopefully build a team around him that he can bring to the Super Bowl or to the conference title at least to take down the Chiefs, who we are saying will be in that position for a very long time? Yeah, I think Lamar Jackson is just, completely um he's he's just amazing right um kind of wait i'm sorry breaking up i can't hear you no i can hear you yeah yeah, i can hear you can you hear us you can hear me okay i'm sorry yeah i'm sorry i couldn't hear you so yeah um i think the ravens are in a good position right now i mean lamar jackson um yeah oh my god you keep making me nervous like you can't hear me so let me start over again i'm sorry um, I think the Ravens are in a good position right now. Again, I think Lamar Jackson is playing well and has shown us that he knows how to play well. Um, and I think that they're surging or at least going to begin to start to surge again. And, I mean, we saw what they looked like against the Browns on Monday. And that right there gave us a, a really good example of what we can continue to possibly see. The problem is, as you started this, this, this whole segment with, is that it's the Chiefs, right? So it really doesn't matter how well um, this team continues to play. The, the biggest question is, regardless of what they bring to the table, do they have enough to beat the Chiefs? And I don't think that they do. I think that there are some other pieces um, from an offensive part of the ball that they need to bring in order to contend with them. Because that's, that's honestly, that's the main thing that any team in the AFC, probably even the NFL, should be asking, do we have enough to beat Kansas City? And if you can't answer that question with yes, then your front office really needs to come together to figure out what do you need to do? What personnel needs to be made? What teams do we need to run offensively or 
defensively that's going to stop Patrick Mahomes. And until you figure that out, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really know what you guys want. I don't really know what you need, you know? So <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest thing. And I, and I just don't think the Ravens have that. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, the Chiefs right now are currently the gauge. You know, there's always that gauge. At one point, it was the Patriots. and basketball, the gauge at one point was the Lakers. And it was the Heat in the Big Three era. I mean, there's always a team that's the gauge. And you have to figure out, is your team able to compete with what is the creme de la creme in the league at the time? And that is the Chiefs. From a more logistical standpoint, Michael, I want to ask you, I mean, it's safe to say that the Chiefs are going to go ahead and win the conference this year. The Baltimore Ravens are still trying to fight for a playoff spot. They're right outside of it. The Miami Dolphins have it by like a quarter of a fraction of a point. I mean, literally anything could happen. They can keep swapping back and forth for the next three weeks. But if you are the Baltimore Ravens, and you don't make the playoffs, or even if you do make the playoffs and you don't go as far as a championship game, what are you drafting? What are you looking to obtain in free agency to make sure that you are not in that position next year? Yeah, I think I'm, uh, it's, it's it's pretty upfront honest. It's another wide receiver. I mean, they clearly, clearly, clearly need another wide receiver. I mean, Hollywood is awesome, and that dude is <laughs> fast as lightning. But if he, I mean, they were making fun of him pretty much on the broadcast the other night. He's like, dude can't catch the ball at all. He, now he made the one catch. And it worked out, and they won the game. When it so, counted. Hey, when hey. it counted. Well, it, that's it counted a little bit. It counted a little bit before that. Would have made it way easier to win that game. But no, I totally agree with you. Once it finally needed to happen, it happened. So, so kudos to him. But I also drafted him way too high in season long. It turns out. But I think they need another wide receiver. I mean, Mark Andrews is awesome. That dude is incredible. But he's going to be hurt half the time. We don't know what the heck we're getting from those running backs. I do want to say Gus Edwards, uh, Rutgers alum here. So. Let's go, Gus. But yeah, I think it's it's very upfront, very honest. They they need a wide receiver and hopefully get some of the injured uh, linemen back. Their offensive line's been a little banged up. If they can get some of them back, I think that'd be super helpful as well. Chris, I know you're a big fan of defense, a defensive guy. Do the Baltimore Ravens need to work on their defense in the offseason? Where do you see their holes in that? Well, losing Earl Thomas was a big piece. And ultimately, Earl was doing Earl. I don't know if people know the backstory, but. Earl Thomas, he kind of does what he wants, and the Baltimore Ravens were – they found other ways to get him out of there. Sure, he punched the guy in his face, but the comments that came from that player, Earl wasn't feeling them. And they do need someone that can help this, whether it be in the pass rush, just consistency. You know, Marcus Peters, he plays, I would say, a gamble mode too much, which means he goes for the big interceptions. And ultimately, if he doesn't get the interception – not only do you miss that, you don't bat the ball down, there's no deflection, it's a catch, and it's a huge game or a touchdown. If they can just work on the fundamentals, like, hey, if you can't make the play, just be in position to, A, make a tackle, and even if you're not, you can bat the ball down. I think those are just the little things that this defense can work on. Marlon Humphreys, he's making a name for himself. They have an interesting defense, and I think it's just about consistency, and that goes along. I mean, that's a cliche. Consistency is key, right? It really is with this Baltimore team. You mentioned their three games. If they're consistent and they play the way they need to play, they have a shot to make the playoffs. It's going to be a tough one, but they just got to win out. And their defense is one thing that I look at and say, it's pretty damn good defense. I mean, again, they didn't show it on Monday in a, in a, in a, on a big stage, but shout yeah. out to Baker. He played out of his yeah. I don't think yeah, yeah, yeah. expect his Baker to, to sling the rock without OBJ, you know, Jarvis Landry, Peoples Jones stepping up, you name it. And we saw a really entertaining game. I just need Baltimore to be consistent. And I think ultimately they can surprise a few people. Now, will they win this win this whole thing, win the AFC? I don't know. Probably not. The Chiefs are the favorites. But when it comes to 
ooh, everyone's saying the Chiefs are this. They're looking bored. All it takes is one game. We talked about it in, in the group chat. You sent out a question that you made a poll. What's harder to win, a Super Bowl or NBA Finals? Well, yeah, NBA Finals is tough because you got, depending on how long the series, it could be seven games. NFL, you got one shot. And if the Chiefs are sluggish one game, which I don't think they will be, but it's a possibility, that's a time where Lamar Jackson or Marquise Brown can step up and make plays. And you're like, damn, did Baltimore just do what I think they did and they're going to the Super Bowl? That's one thing to look at. And if their defense is also playing lights out, that can definitely help. Yeah, I mean, everything you said is a great point, starting with consistency. I mean, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I don't know what consistency means. You know what I mean? So, like, consistency is not my strong suit. Defense is not my strong suit out in Dallas, and those are the two of the things that we really need to work on. But with the Ravens, I mean, defense is something that I feel like, I know it's an old-school mentality, but I am a girl who still believes defense wins championships. I mean, you look at Super Bowl 50 when the Broncos – took down the Carolina Panthers, who were favorite to win the whole thing. I mean, Cam Newton had an incredible year. That team was all systems ago to win that Super Bowl, and defense had other plans. So I think teams really need to start focusing and zeroing in and narrowing in on their defense because I still think it is a difference maker in any sport, really. If you look at basketball, you look at football. Even if you look at sports like hockey, you know, it's defense matters. Defense is the difference maker when you want to talk about and when you want to win championships. I do know that, like I said, Miami is right now in that final playoff spot. The Ravens are a fraction behind them. Looking at Miami's next three games, you have the Patriots, who don't look so hot. Now, if this was the Tom Brady Patriots, I'd say that's an L, maybe, perhaps. You have the Raiders and Bills, which are both away games. Kelsey, I want to ask you, how many of those games do you think Miami is going to win? And looking at Baltimore's schedule, you have the Jaguars, Giants, and the Bengals. Could there be a constant flip-flop, and who ultimately is going to get that final playoff spot? Yeah, this is what I'm keeping an eye on. And let me tell you, you talked about defense. That's been Baltimore's mentality, right, since they started. There's a reason why you walk past that Ray Lewis statue when you're walking into M&T Bank Stadium, and you guys touched on it. The Baltimore Ravens schedule is very favorable. What I'm keeping an eye on is still this COVID outbreak that Baltimore is still having. You look at Hollywood Brown is going to be out. And, yes, I know he didn't have a good game last time, but that crucial catch that, of course, saved that game for the Ravens is very important. And we're looking at Lamar, right, those cramps that he had. You look at the COVID, right? You look at him being dehydrated. How will he come out and in play? And I think Baltimore has a good chance if their offense can be consistent. Willie Sneed has to step up as a receiver. Waken, another person that's going to be out this game. So you look at Mark Andrews, who's really going to have to step up. We have to hope that he's healthy. Because you look at that long list that Baltimore had on that COVID list, it's pretty scary. But ultimately, I think if Baltimore can have people step up, Dobbins step up, if the run game can keep going with this. Edwards, uh, Mark Ingram, want to get him back active. I do think that Baltimore can win out. I like Miami. I like how their defense has stepped up. But I'm still not fully buying into it. I think especially because Baltimore wanted to win last year and they know how close they came. But lo and behold, the Tennessee Titans came and Derrick Henry, who not only did it last year, but then did it again to the Ravens this year. They want to be back there. Lamar has something to prove, right? He has a chip on his shoulder. So I think it's hard for me to pick Miami over Baltimore, but Baltimore does need that consistency. That defense worries me. That defense worries me a lot. Jimmy Smith has to step up. You talked about Marlon Humphrey. He got that big contract um, and needing to step up. And of course he had that very bad crucial play um, in that Browns game. But ultimately I think the pieces are there. Baltimore just has to make it work. Fouls are getting that interception. I mean, I can touch on so much with Baltimore that's working. And I think it's going to be a really interesting playoff picture if they can get it together. And just the flag, the years that Baltimore did win the Super Bowl was the years that they didn't, uh, they weren't leading that division, right? You look at those two Super Bowls, yeah. that's when Baltimore, for some reason, makes noise. Look, last year, the kind of people thought it was easy breezy. 
they had the bye week, they came out and they kind of looked like trash, right? That game. So it's something to keep an eye on. I do like Miami. It is going to be close, but Baltimore has an easier schedule here on out. So Kelsey's rocking with Baltimore. Daniel, give me your pick. Who's going to go ahead and get that final playoff spot in the AFC? Is it going to be Miami or is it going to be Baltimore? I'm going to go with Baltimore. And not only do I think Baltimore makes the playoffs, I also think they probably upset the Steelers in the first round when, wow. they, when they face. Just because the Steelers are missing, um, they're going to be missing Devin Bush and Bud Dupree. And that defense, I don't know if that defense can keep up, keep up with the Ravens if they're hitting on all the cylinders. We say the Chiefs have Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill. The Ravens have like basically a copycat league, basically. You have Lamar, Hollywood, and Andrews. I think if they catch fire in the postseason, mix with that defense, they could be kind of like the Colts to the Patriots back in the late 2000s. I, I think they could have like a little rivalry going there. All right. So we got two for Baltimore. Chris, I'm asking you, who's taking him? Miami? Baltimore, who's taking that final spot? I got to go with Lamar, man. When it comes down to it, Tua has much to prove, and I think he'll ultimately prove that later on. But I got to roll with someone who I think is going to get it done, going to get it done, and that's Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens. He's a leader. He wants it really bad. He knows they're in an unfortunate situation with how the season has gone with injuries, COVID, and just him not playing to a level that we are capable of him, that we have seen in the past seasons. I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens. It's that simple. Okay, listen, my fan base down in Miami is not happy with these predictions so far. <laughs> I gotta let you guys know this. Okay, Tarika, give me go ahead and give me your pick. You going with the Dolphins or you rolling with the Ravens? Miami is gonna be upset with me too because I'm gonna have to go with the Ravens. Um, I just think that Lamar has this in, this internal calendar, this internal clock that knows when it's playoff time, it's time to really kick it in gear. Um, and so this is when he's going to shine. Um, I'm not going to be as bold as to say that, you know, he's probably going to knock out the Steelers if they face in the first round, although it's definitely not improbable. Um, and, and especially considering that Big Ben looks completely old and slow and um, there's just no run game that's, that's very prominent in, in, in um, Pittsburgh right now. But um, I, I just have between Miami and, and, the, and the Ravens, I trust Baltimore more. I trust that they know how to navigate these situations because they've had to do it before. And anytime you put someone in a position to do something um, with that pressure, who's never done it before, as who has never had to do it on this level, um, you run the risk of, of coming across um, different challenges that you may not understand how to, how to navigate in that particular moment. But I think that Lamar knows how to handle these moments because he's had to do it before at this level. Um, and that's why I think Baltimore will definitely get that spot over Miami. All right, Michael, do it for the 305. Give me your pick. Uh, What's it going to be? So here's the thing. I put in a bet for the Dolphins to actually make the playoffs a couple weeks ago. So I'm really crossing my fingers, but I don't <laughs> think that there's any shot. I mean, it's it really comes down to the schedule, I think. The Dolphins are going up against the Pats while, yeah, the Pats haven't been very good this year. It's still the Patriots. It's still the division. You never know what the hell you're going to get. I think it really just comes down to the the Ravens playing nobody the last three weeks of the season. And I, I think that's really all you can make it come down to because with that, it's, I mean, they're going to win out. They're going to make the playoffs. The Dolphins have a better shot at losing one of those games. So I'm going to have to lean the Pats. Sorry. Or the Ravens. 
Yeah, listen, Miami, you guys are going to hate me too because my money is on Baltimore. And for a lot of the reasons that have already been said, for starters, I mean, Lamar's been in this position before. Not only that, but I think he has a chip on his shoulder that you guys mentioned. He's unhappy with his performance the past two seasons. Things did not go the way that they were supposed to. And I also feel like the schedule is just in their favor. Now, granted, the Giants can go either way. Sometimes with the Giants, you get a team that looks eh, eh. Uh, whatever. You get a team that looks somewhat, you know, like a team that's a contender or can be a contender in the future. You get somewhat of a competition from them. And then there's other games, other weeks where they just look astronomically terrible. The Jaguars are basically just dismantled. They have a lot of work to do in that franchise for many, many seasons. I mean, all odds are in the Ravens' favor. But again, anything can happen. I do think, though, Miami is a season away from really being a contender. I think Tua is still trying to get his footing. He's very up or down. I have to say, though, I am very impressed with the defense in Miami. I'm very impressed with the coaching in Miami. I think that finally Miami has their franchise quarterback. They have been looking for it for years between Ryan Tannehill, which was up and down. We had Fitzpatrick at one point. I mean, they have, trying to been, they have been trying to find their franchise quarterback for years. And they finally have them. And I think what's going to be the difference maker in Miami is this offseason, whether or not you make the playoffs, the goal has to be to build around Tua. That is the goal. Because if you have a franchise quarterback of his talent, and Tua is talented. I had an opportunity to speak to him at Super Bowl Radio Row. I met his family. Shout out to them. They're Cowboy fans. Love that. You know I love a fellow Cowboy fan. You know I do. Don't get mad. And they loved Miami. They even said back then in February that they were hoping that they were and would end up here in the 305 because they love the weather. It reminds them a lot of Hawaii, where he's from. And they really just love the fans. They love the fan base. They love the organization, the franchise in itself. So they have a guy who wants to be here. They have a guy who wants to play here. And it's their responsibility to do right by him. And I think that Miami, especially with the black cloud that was Tom Brady and the Patriots out of that division, I think we're going to start seeing a different Miami team and more importantly, a different AFC East division. We're going to get more competition. You have the Bills who look really good. Shout out to Josh Allen. So excited for his trajectory as a quarterback. You have Tua. I mean, it's just going to be a fun division to watch for the next seasons to come. And speaking of a team in that division, we're going to go ahead and move it to the Patriots because this is a far cry from Tom Brady's Patriots. Now, there's an opportunity here that they will miss the playoffs. They have a 2% chance to make the postseason. It would be the first time since 2008 that they miss the postseason. That's when Tom Brady has had his ACL injury. So, Chris, are the Patriots going to make it? And if they don't make it, which is the more likely possibility here, what does that mean for this team? I hope they don't make it because the what they're putting out right now, it's not worth it seeing in the postseason cam doesn't look good the defense isn't all there i just don't want to see it if they make it they're going to get beat pretty bad probably i just this team right now is not built for postseason success and the last thing i want to see is cam going into the postseason and the wild card that is and getting trounced finish the season and look forward to 2021 and sign with the Browns, because they might be done with Baker Mayfield, although he's he's showing otherwise. They're nine and four. Or see about I mean, there's other teams you could probably go to. The Denver Broncos. I mean, they don't have a lot of weapons. Jerry Judy and Philip Lindsay and those guys, but it's it's over for Cam with the Patriots right now. You gotta look 
at the horizon and see if there's something else out there. And I think another team would definitely take his services and see if they can make it work. Just this team and everything didn't work. The weapons he had offensively, I don't even know if anyone can name their top two receivers on the team outside of Julian Edelman. It's one of those seasons that, unfortunately, the New England Patriots fell under expectations, and Cam was one of the problems. Yeah, they definitely fell under expectations. I mean, I, I'm probably not alone when I say this. I was so excited to hear that Cam Newton was picked up by the Patriots. I am a huge Cam fan, have been since his days at Auburn. Obviously, I was a big Carolina Panthers fan when he was there. I love seeing him bring his own style, his own swagger to the game. And he's a far cry from that Cam Newton, but this was supposed to be his rising from the ashes, if you will, like a phoenix. And it just did not go that way. Now, we can't put the sole responsibility or the sole blame, rather, on Cam. A lot of guys opted out because of COVID. They have been dealing with injuries. There is, you know, this is the first time they have a dual threat quarterback, if you will, in Cam Newton when you've been in a situation, in a system, rather, that was really geared and focused around Tom Brady. But I want to ask, and Kelsey, I'll start with you. When the Patriots, or if the Patriots, rather, let me say that, don't make the postseason, what does this mean for that Belichick-Brady debate on who needs who more? We can't hear you. Sorry. Whoops. You're Sorry great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back. And look, I think that's such a great question. I think with the Patriots, it's been a big thing. We've seen both Brady and the Patriots struggle this season, right, without each other. And for a long time in the AFC, it was always Bill and Brady that you had to be. And let's, let, let me take you all back to when Cam Newton first joined the Patriots. It was, oh, my gosh, he's our savior, right? The Patriots can remain dominant. In the AFC, and lo and behold, now you see the Patriots, you're not even scared to see them on your schedule. Look, I'm all for Cam Newton. I'm a big Cam Newton fan, but we've seen him struggle. And working in Washington with Cam's old coach um, and Ron Rivera, you, you just see a different Cam, right? He's making decisions that he didn't make before, you know, just careless decisions. And like you touched on earlier, he doesn't have that help in his own line. He's getting sacked. Cam is getting a lot of pressure on him. And so I think when you look at the Patriots team, you really have to see who is going to be that quarterback of the future. Cam right now isn't cutting the bill, but right now you also have to think, what would the best fit for the Patriots be? What's in Bill's mind? And I don't know. I think Cam would have a lot of improving to do. I think, you know, Bill's not afraid to sit him down, bench him. You know, we saw Jared sit him come in. Um, but I think there's a lot of questions with Cam. But I do think if Cam is able to just do decently uh, to get – they're not going to make the playoffs. They're just not going to. But we just want Cam to have a decent showing, be error-free, stop the uh, mistake that, mistakes that he's doing. And then I think then we can kind of think about the future of the Patriots. But again, when we look at the AFC now, no one's looking to the Patriots to do any big noise or any big changes. So it's interesting. But look, I miss Superman yeah. Cam, but we can't call him Superman Cam anymore. I'm just sorry. The way he played, we're yanking that from him because he's not playing like Superman. He's as far from Superman as you can get. <laughs> All right. One time dab, dab for the old Cam Newton real quick. Tarika, I want to go to you because Kelsey brought up a really good point when she mentioned Ron Rivera now coaching in Washington. And obviously Bill Belichick is a new type of coach. For Cam Newton, do you think that's part of the problem? Is there a disconnect between his familiarity with Ron Rivera and that camaraderie that they had? It was a very close relationship, and now he's thrust into a new system and a totally different type of coach. Do you think that's part of his lack of success this season? Honestly, no. I think the biggest issue with Cam is Cam. Cam is just not healthy. You can look at the way that he throws the ball, and you can tell the shoulder hasn't completely killed the way that. He expected it to. And one thing that we know about Cam is that Cam is dangerous when he's able to move his feet. 
That's the one thing about Cam that we know. If you let him get open, if you let him move, he's hard to stop. Well, he's not mobile like we are used to Cam being mobile. There have been defenses that have been able to stop him, and you're right, it doesn't help that he has a, a, a poor offensive line that isn't necessarily protecting him at his best. But Cam just is not the same Cam. We haven't seen him be that Cam since maybe 2016, 2017, uh, maybe even 2015. You know what I mean? It's been a while. And, and teams know that, and they're prepared for that. And when you add the fact that he isn't 100% healthy to also being in a new system, to having to do it Bill Belichick's way, we get what we've seen. We're used to a guy like Tom Brady who's able to take the team. And mind you, I am a Patriots hater, and I live in New England, okay? I love it all day, every day that they suck. I'm like, yes, this is, this is what's up. This is what I like to see. However, um, it is kind of disheartening because what we don't want to happen is we talk so much about wanting black quarterbacks to still have an opportunity to be in the league, to lead, to be the focal point. And what happens in situations like these is where – if a quarterback like Cam Newton isn't able to continue the level of play that we've seen, he doesn't get many other opportunities to be a quarterback in other places. And I think more so than worrying about the Patriots' record or what their fan base is saying, I'm more worried about Cam may be the last that we're seeing of him. Like, he may not get another opportunity to be a starter somewhere else. He may have to settle for a backup role somewhere else because I don't see Cam recovering from the way that this season has panned out for him. And that's an excellent point as well. And I think this is a conversation. I mean, I know I've had it often on the radio. I've had it often on Twitter. Is the difference between black quarterbacks and white quarterbacks. White quarterbacks tend to stick to the fundamentals. You look at somebody like Joe Burrow, who tends to be more of a pocket passer than he is a runner. Can he run? Yes, but he tends to stay in the pocket. He works on his fundamentals when it comes to throwing. You look at somebody like Lamar Jackson, whose throwing mechanics are not great when it comes to the fundamental of football, but that is because he knows he has another weapon. It's his speed. It's his legs. He can move. You can't catch him. So is it because of, is it a cultural difference where black quarterbacks are taught to rely more on that athleticism than white quarterbacks are that when they start to age out of being able to run and maneuver the way they did when they were younger, that you start seeing their decline, or is it just that Cam Newton has had bad luck with injuries and other things like that and has never really focused on the other aspect of the game? Because, I mean, if you look at his build, he's 6'6", he's huge. He could have been a great pocket passer. It could have prolonged his career. So, Michael, I want to pose that question to you. Yeah, um, I think Cam Newton's kind of done, unfortunately. Uh, it, it's kind of sad. He was so much fun. Now, now in terms of the cultural stuff, I – I don't really know. That's that's not really something that I'm a hundred percent aware of. I don't watch too much, too many young kids or high school football. I mean, one thing that I do know, especially with National Signing Day just being um, yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, what you do see is a lot of a lot of black quarterbacks do end up changing positions at some point because it's kind of like shortstop in baseball for a good good analogy. Your best athlete just gets put there. So I, I have to assume it's something of that nature as well as where you have your best athlete. He's incredible. Okay, he can throw the ball. He can run. So we're going to put him back there, and we're going to let him make magic and do whatever he can do. Uh, now, do I have any statistics or analysis to back this up? No, I'm just going off of kind of my sports knowledge. But uh, in terms of Ken Newton as a pocket passer, I don't think he's ever had very good mechanics, to your point. Yeah. And we're starting to see that now. It's like you see him – like cock his arm back and you think he's going to throw the ball like 50 yards down the field. And it's like a, a five yard, like dump off. And I'm just like, how does it look like that? And right. It's like one of those eye test things. So it's unfortunate. Um, 
Superman Cam was a lot of fun. I kind of liked how cocky he was, and that was always a blast. But I just, I think, I don't think we have too much of that left anymore, unfortunately. Chris, same question to you. Is there a cultural difference in the way black quarterbacks learn how to play football versus how white quarterbacks learn how to play football? And does that affect their longevity? Or rather, does that affect their ability to maneuver around things like Cam Newton has experienced injuries and um, things that go ahead and prevent him from running the way that he used to in his younger days? I think it's probably a combination of both of the both of those things. One, when you are in high school and you're athletic and you can throw a little bit. In high school, you don't throw the ball much, right? It's all it's mainly running the ball. And if you're a quarterback that has, if he's six feet in high school, weighs two hundred pounds, runs a four or five, you're going to be doing a lot of running. You might throw it every now and then and wow, wow your coaches. You get to college, depending on what college you go to, you're going to be doing a lot of running. You might throw it here and there. Auburn, he was throwing a little bit. We saw his mechanics were not great. We definitely thought it was something he can work on. Got to the NFL. He looked okay. Had an MVP season. They lose the Super Bowl. Injuries plague him. And I think it comes down to when you were in high school, did your coaches develop you or did they just let you go out there and do you? Let you be Cam, which is not a bad thing. Look where it's got him. It got him to the league. He's playing professionally. But to be one of the best, you have to have another side that's coaching you to, hey, this is how you throw the ball, right? And a perfect example would be Russell Wilson. I don't know who yes. I don't know who really trained him or worked with his on his game, but you can you can see that he has the, both things down. He can run when he needs to, and he can throw the ball with the best of them when he needs to. He's the best deep ball thrower in the game, without a question. That's what separates the fact that. He honed in on one skill set, and he continued to work on the other. Yeah, he's a, he was scrambling all over the league when he got into the NFL. But he also began to work on, okay, how can I make myself better at throwing the ball and hitting guys that are open? And now when he throws a deep ball, you know it's going to be a catch. You're just wondering how they got how that receiver got open because Russ is going to put it there. And that's where I think Cam, he might have missed a step. He didn't get that opportunity to really hone in on being a pocket passer. Can he do it? Sure. But is he the most accurate? No, and you've touched on that. Everyone's pretty much said that, hey, Cam is not the best when it comes to getting the ball out. Michael pointed out the fact that he's throwing rockets and it's going five yards. That's not really needed. You know, just get the ball there. You don't have to, like you said, when he winds up, you're thinking, oh, this is going to be a bomb. And then it's a seven-yard dig or seven-yard out, a slant. And that's where I think it separates him from a Russell Wilson or a Patrick Mahomes who can also sling the rock with the best of them. And they're able to run when needed, but their presence in the pocket is just as dangerous. And ultimately, I don't think Cam has that anymore. I think coming into the league, we we saw a little bit of it, but it wasn't consistent enough. And now that he's with the Patriots and he had a chance to prove that he can be a pocket passer, of course, the weapons aren't there. You only have Julian Edelman. It's tough. And he didn't make the best of this opportunity, but I still believe he has maybe one more or two more seasons left in the tank. And he can prove some people wrong and go out there and sling the rock and show that he's still capable of playing this game. You just got to get him the white rep, the white, uh, why can't I say the word right? The right <laughs> weapons and let him go out there and have fun. We saw what he was doing when he was dabbing and dancing in the end zone. He was scoring touchdowns, throwing them, running them. We know what he's capable of. Injuries and him just getting back into the shape of things, I think we'll really tell. Yeah, and I think it's easy to get spoiled, especially as a franchise, when you draft a quarterback who can run. 
You know, you don't worry so much about his throwing ability. You don't worry so much about those mechanics, but you have a quarterback who can do both. But the difference between an Aaron Rodgers and, like you said, Russell Wilson, who's one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, will go down as one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, is that you see that they run when they have to, like you said, and throw as much as they can from that pocket. Of course, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, what they like to do is move side to side. What that does is it go ahead and prolongs the play in the event that your first option, your second option crashes. You go ahead and prolong that play as much as you can. It's what I want my Dak Prescott to do. I want him to stop staying in that pocket and move his feet a little bit more. But, you know, going back to Cam Newton, you get this guy who's 6'6", 260 pounds, 250 pounds, who can run, who can juke, is like an athlete that you've never seen before. You're not worrying about his throwing arm because you think that he's going to be able to do that forever. And that's never the case, especially when injuries start coming into the picture. And at the end of the day, father time is undefeated. So somebody like Patrick Mahomes, the reason he got that big check, obviously it's because he won the Super Bowl. You saw that performance, unheard of. Obviously because he's been to two AFC championships, but it's also because his mechanics are impeccable. You see that he throws most of the time just these beautiful passes, these unbelievable passes, and he runs when he has to. He knows the difference, and that's going to prolong his career. So before I move out of the AFC and get your predictions for that championship game, I want to ask Daniel this question. The Browns, Baker Mayfield, He's starting to come into his own as a quarterback. And there were a lot of people who were critical of Baker Mayfield in his first few seasons. Oh, he's not that good. He should have stayed at Oklahoma, da-da-da-da. And I've seen Baker Mayfield in action. I saw him in that 2015 Orange Bowl against Deshaun Watson. But now that you're seeing what he's becoming, and is there a correlation between the fact that Odell Beckham is not in the lineup? He's not forcing the ball to him. Or is this just a matter of a team catching fire at the right time? I think it's him getting more reps as a NFL quarterback and also that whole team catching fire. I don't buy into him being better without Odell. I think that's just ludicrous. I think Odell's one of the best receivers in the game and he will help any quarterback. Um, I just think Baker didn't have that many reps and not necessarily like the defense he played at Oklahoma didn't really gear him to NFL football. So I think he just needed some time in the NFL to get used to playing against defenses that will adjust and actually can have the personnel to attack what you're not good at. I think he finally got into his own little groove. And now you see he's hitting his receivers when they need to be and where they need to go. And he's kind of matured just a little bit since he's came into the league. And I think that's just, I think it's more on him growing up and just becoming a better quarterback instead of the Odell factor. I like it. Okay. So before we move into the NFC, I want to get everyone's predictions for that championship game. Michael, I'm going to start with you. What two teams are we going to see in that champ? I think we're going to see the Chiefs. Uh, I think they're going to have a hard time getting there, as they did last year, but I think we're going to see them in there. And I I really wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, we have to need to see how it shakes out, but the Titans, right? Like, they're just going to truck stick everybody. They're just going to roll through. I know I'm not happy about it, but they're just going to truck stick everybody. Derek Henry is just going to do what he does. They have two great receivers. Corey Davis, I've been calling him a bust the whole time. Took four years, but the dude finally showed up, which is nice. Uh, I think they're going to do just fine and and really, um, I I think it's going to be a fun one. I think we're going to, I think it's going to be a really fun game. Yeah, the AFC is fun this year. I, 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 I'm wrong. I was wrong. I thought football was going to be a mess, and it was in the first couple of weeks. Chris and I had a bet that it wasn't going to pass Thanksgiving, but here we are, December 17th, and we still got football on our TV screen. So, you know, thank the football gods for that. Tariqa, go ahead and give me your predictions. Who's it going to be? 
All right, so it's definitely going to be the Chiefs, and this next pick is just totally because it's my team. I have no real logic behind it whatsoever, but it's going to be the Colts. It's just it's just because I would not be a fan if I did not say that we were not going to make the AFC Championship game. Simple as that. Honestly, and I have the, I, I I like it. I have the Cowboys going to the Super Bowl every year, so I, I'm not mad. At your pick at all. I'm not mad at your pick at all. Chris, go ahead, give me your teams. Oh, this is so tough, and I hate doing predictions because I get them wrong. But here we are. I'm gonna go with Kansas City, of course, and I'm gonna plug. I think Josh Allen might might make his appearance in the deep in the postseason. The way they're playing. If my guy Stephon Diggs can catch a few passes and score a few touchdowns, I like what I'm seeing here, man. We could have a Buffalo and Chiefs showdown, and I'm all for it. All right, Kelsey. You shout out Stephon Diggs, Chris. So shout out to the University of Maryland and the Chargers. I think like that in a I mean, no surprise here. I'm definitely picking it. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pick the Ravens because I want that championship that we were deprived of last season. They're somehow gonna get it together, get COVID under control, and somehow make it to give us that Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes show off that we've been wanting. Daniel, um, I agree with Kelsey. I think it's gonna be Kansas City and Baltimore, and I don't think that game will be narratively close. So I got the Chiefs also in the Super Bowl. Dang. Ugh. And and I'm gonna go ahead and agree with Chris. I got the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills facing off in the AFC Championship game. I just think that Josh Allen and those Buffalo Bills are just clicking at all the right times, clicking on all cylinders. And I just really like what I see. And I'm actually really excited for Josh Allen. There were some, a lot of different opinions about him when he got into the league. Could he be a franchise quarterback? Is he a franchise quarterback? I've always been a fan. I've always thought he's had an incredible arm. And we're finally finally starting to see that. Not only that, but I don't think he gets enough credit for being able to move. The kid can move. Now, is he as fast as, you know, let's say uh, Lamar Jackson? Maybe not, but you can get some movement out of him. And that's what you want. You want a quarterback, going back to what we said about those dual threat quarterbacks, you want a quarterback who can sling the ball when he has to, who can move when he has to, who knows the difference of when to do either or. And if we get that Kansas City and Buffalo matchup, we finally get that throw off that we've been talking about between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I've been waiting for that for months. We keep talking about seeing who can throw the ball the farthest. That is going to be the game that we finally see it. So Kansas City, Buffalo, AFC East Championship. Come see me when I'm right because I'm going to be right. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to go ahead now and move into the NFC and – yeah, the NFC is a gift that keeps on giving. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest, especially the NFC East, the NFC East. That is, um, we're gonna, we're gonna keep push that to the side for a second, though. Yeah, listen, you and I are in the same boat there, Michael. There's a lot of drama going on in the NFC East, least whatever you want to call it. But Green- NFC Beast. Uh, oh wow! You and I must, you and I, you and I must have been watching different games this season because I don't see anything about Beast, but you know. Green Bay has clinched, and Aaron Rodgers, I mean, is there anything this guy can't do? And I think a lot of people forget that he sat on the bench for four years behind Brett Favre. So, really, you got to take his age that he is now and deduct four years. And I think we can see him in the league if he can stay healthy for another four years because technically he's aging backwards. But I want to ask you guys about the New Orleans Saints. Now, Drew Brees, obviously, he had some rib issues, rib fractures, rather, and multiple rib fractures. Taysom Hill has been holding down the fort. 
Now, there's no word on whether or not Drew Brees is going to come back for week 15. He has not been ruled out just yet. He did get some practice in for the first time since his rib injury. But if you are the New Orleans Saints and you have a quarterback who's able to get the job done, are you bringing Drew Brees back before the playoffs or are you just going to let him ride the bench a little bit longer? Chris? Drew Brees is chilling on the bench. I have (laughs) faith in Jameis if he gets to play and Taysom. And if you look at their schedule, it's challenging, but you don't want to put Drew Brees out there on the line with him not being as close as 100% as possible. If anything, you want Drew Brees coming back at 100, and you'll lose with Drew Brees. You don't want to risk it, bring him back early, and now you're in the postseason and you have Taysom or Jameis, who's eaten. W's. I don't know if that's something you want to risk. And their defense has been pretty pretty good for the most part. The consistency with offense has been a, been the challenge, but ultimately I think just I would just play it safe. Let Drew Brees relax. When he wants to come back, I'm sure he'll make it known. And at this point, just to give the keys to Taysom or Jameis. It's that simple. That's what I would do personally. He's rolling with famous Jameis. Kelsey, what are you doing? Are you letting Drew Brees come back in, get some reps in before the playoffs, or are you just letting him ride that bench just a little bit longer until you're sure that he's 100%? Yeah, look, if something's not broken, don't fix it. And right now, Phil has been that guy. And mind you, I understand how great Drew Brees is. But like Chris said, we want to make sure that he's healthy and fully full, and then he's going to have to get back into the groove of things. And right now, the Saints are hot. And you talked about, especially with that defense that they have, which is what the Saints have been missing for a long time, which is why it's exciting to watch him this year. I would have to ride with Taysom Hill, keep him and Jameis. We know Jameis can get the job done if need be. He can eat W's or whatever he needs to do to get the end of the CD and the Saints uh, to where they need to go. But saying all that to say, I love Drew Brees. And I think we know we want to send Drew Brees off right. What better way to do that than to put him in the game and he hopefully leads that team to victory. But look, the Saints and Saints fans have them too long to pride. I say keep it going. Don't mess the momentum up and just keep riding with it. The receivers are there. Hill can get it done on his feet. And, you know, his arm is improving. So, no, don't don't touch it. Don't fix it. And I think the Saints are actually something special in the NFC. I haven't gone pretty far. Now, I think it's easy to forget that Taysom Hill is not a spring chicken when it comes to football age, at least. He is in his early 30s. You know, he a lot of people think he's a lot younger than what he is because we haven't heard much about him, at least on the professional level. And Daniel, I want to ask you this, knowing that Drew Brees, I mean, his time's ticking. How much longer he has as the leader of the New Orleans Saints, nobody really knows. But if you're the New Orleans Saints, are you looking for his replacement already? Or are you okay with Taysom Hill taking that job on for a couple of years? I'd also be looking at Jameis, just to be honest. I like both of Hill and Jameis in New Orleans, whichever way they go. And you have to start looking towards the future. And... To go with Drew Brees, I don't bring him back till week 17 unless he's 100% before that. I want to see him at least play one game before he gets to the playoffs. Hopefully he's 100% for week 17. But again, for the Saints, ride Drew Brees until he falls off in the future and then give the keys to either Hill or um, Jameis. And if they're not cutting it out, go be like the Cowboys and suck. Oh, okay, so you 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 don't see the star right behind me, right? You're gonna go ahead and just throw a cheap shot on my own show at me when it comes to my squad, right? Like my quarterback didn't go down with a horrible injury, and that's why we struggled. You just gonna you just gonna disrespect me on my own show about my own team, right? That's how we're moving, Daniel. Okay, cool. I'll remember that. 
Don't come begging to me when the Cowboys win the Super Bowl next year talking about, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I underestimated. I don't want to hear any of that. Okay? None of it. You want to put $100 on it? No, I'm not betting you no more, Chris. (laughs) But I do want to go ahead and ask you this, Michael. I mean, Drew Brees, obviously nobody knows, like I said, when his time is actually going to come to an end. But Jameis Winston, I mean, Daniel mentioned it. Is he a franchise quarterback for the New Orleans Saints or is he just destined to continue to be a backup? Yeah, it's kind of sad. I mean, if you can't beat out Taysom Hill, as Kelsey was talking about, like he he can run, he can move. That's great. Like his arm's really not that good, though. So if you can't beat out Taysom Hill now, Taysom Hill's been in the offense. So maybe he knows a little bit more. And Sean Payton, Sean Payton has a love affair with him. I think we all can just agree upon that for whatever reason. But I, it's not a good look if you can't beat out Taysom Hill. I mean, we saw what Jameis Winston's capable of doing. Dude puts up numbers. But if you're going to turn the ball over 30 to 40 times in a year, it's you can't win a football game like that, unfortunately. You can't win a season. You can't go to the playoffs. So I think he will get a starting job somewhere, somewhere like Pittsburgh, where maybe you know they have all those wide receivers and you can just throw the ball as far as possible. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to be in uh, New Orleans too much longer. I think it's Taysom Hill's job. And I honestly think Drew Brees is done after this year. So I think it's Taysom Hill's job just next year or the rest of time. Screw it. Sit Drew Brees down. Just let Taysom Hill take it from here on out. We're good. We're fine. You want to pull a Nick Foles and go ahead and win the whole championship for Drew Brees. But the difference is, is that Drew Brees has already done it. So we know, we know he's capable, unlike Carson Wentz, who gets the credit. But that's neither here nor there. No. And speaking of Carson Wentz, the arch nemesis of both Michael and myself. Okay, we don't like eagles over here. We, we go bird hunting twice a year and we enjoy it thoroughly. Jalen Hurts has been named the starter over Carson Wentz. Coach Peterson went ahead and made the announcement a couple of days ago that he will go ahead and start. What does this mean for Carson Wentz and his future as the franchise quarterback of the Eagles? Tariq, I'm going to start with you. Ironically, you would go to me with this question, and my husband is an Eagles fan. So this is something (laughs) that I talk about all the time. Um, I think this last Saturday, uh, I'm sorry, this past Sunday, just really show this. I mean, you guys are super high on Taysom Hill. I think he sucks as a quarterback. He high, you know, he ain't that good. The New Orleans defense that's been amazing and that has got them to this point. And Jalen Hurts went in there and basically chopped it up. I mean, this is the same offensive line that Carson Wentz has played with that people have given him chance after chance after chance after excuse with. And Jalen Hurts went out there with no sacks, no interceptions. Like, and I think to me, when you listen to the players after the game talk about how he brought leadership to the team, talk about how he brought, um, how he galvanized the team and brought them together and that, you know, they wanted to go out there and play for him. That shows me two things. That shows me one, that this team is behind him in a way that they were not behind Carson Wentz. And number two, that there is clearly some form of, um, a, of a disconnect between Doug Peterson and the front office. Because it seems like the team made the decision that Jalen Hurts should have been starting for them weeks ago. The fact that Doug Peterson just made the decision that Jalen Hurts was going to start for them two weeks ago. And then it took an additional two days for him to come out and say, okay, we're going to allow Jalen Hurts to start again for us in week 15. Clearly, there's some kind of disconnect there. But what Jalen Hurts has done is pretty much show that he's the type of guy who's not going to miss out on an opportunity that he's willing to work, that he's ready to put in the work, as we've seen him do when he was benched at Alabama. And I think that that's going to continue to move this needle forward. I can't wait to see the Eagles play Washington because as high as I am on 
Washington's defense and them, them being number one in the NFC East right now, that could very well switch by the time they face off against each other. And we could very easily be looking at the Philadelphia Eagles in this position. That, listen, I agree with everything you just said. And I want to pose the question because it's a debate that we have often. It's a debate that people have often when they refer to the NFC East. And that is that Carson Wentz is the best quarterback in the division. He's better than my Dak Prescott. Yada, yada, yada. He gets the credit for winning a Super Bowl that he actually didn't play in. And now you're seeing exactly what kind of quarterback Carson Wentz really is. And I've been saying this from the beginning. And this is not just me being an Eagles hater. This is me being somebody who watches football regularly. You can never really judge a quarterback on his rookie season. Yes, they had a great year when they did go to the Super Bowl, but you can't credit a quarterback for a game or games that he did not play in because anything could have happened in that postseason. We just don't know. Does he get the credit for bringing them that far? Absolutely. We can't discredit him for that. That was an amazing season for the Eagles. But everything after that is up in the air. We don't know. And Chris, I want to start with you. What does this mean for that conversation? I mean, Carson Wentz got a lot of money from Philadelphia, and now he's starting to show his true colors. If you are the Eagles, how are you addressing this situation? I'm addressing it. Look, you a grown-ass man, and you suck right now. It's that simple. <laughs> we paid you this amount of money. You're not doing your job. Until you show otherwise, you're on the bench, bro. I, we We want to win here. We don't have time for, well, his feelings may get hurt. Bro. You're playing professional football. You stink right now. And we have a young guy who we drafted who is showing promise and is ready to play now. And we put him in. His first start, what does he do? He gets a big win. 100-plus on the ground and throws for, I think, over 200, if I'm not mistaken, and a touchdown. No turnovers. I don't see the problem here. Carson Wentz, take it on the chin. Learning experience. Come back next year. Healthy. Ready to roll. And it'll be a, it'll be a battle. Who's going to win out? Is it going to be young Jalen or is it going to be Carson? It's really that simple. There's no more baby in you. I don't know why Peterson took so long to even make this decision. He could have done this a long time ago, but he he probably was thinking, oh, I don't want Carson to feel some type of way. Nah, bro, it's a business. If you're willing to cut players just as quickly, I think you can make a deal and, and put them to the bench and let a young guy and Jalen Hurts come out and show that he can compete and play the game. You gave him the plays. He goes out and does what he needs to do. And you guys beat the Saints. It's not like you beat the the Jets. You guys went out and beat a team that's come, probably coming out of the NFC to win it. I mean, think about how it was done. So, yeah, no baby in Carson Wentz here. You lost your spot right now. The good news is you got next year. So come back ready, and we'll see what happens. I want to know what is the – measuring stick here because let's say hypothetically now I don't see Carson Wentz coming back into the position as a starting quarterback for the Eagles for the rest of the season I think Jalen Hurts is going to get his time to shine his moment in the sun going into next season Carson Wentz has one or two options sink or swim if he sinks and Jalen Hurts gets that position when do you officially start looking at what you can do with Carson Wentz as a quarterback who is costing you a lot of money when do you make that move official. Kelsey? Yeah, this is a great question because like covering the NFC East, it, it's anyone's game right now. Carson Wentz, let's be honest, the beginning of the season, we thought the Philadelphia Eagles had this division because on paper, they were everything we thought and more. And then lo and behold, Carson Wentz comes out and hold on. He's playing like the dirt. <laughs> the bottom of my chair. That, 
Jefferson Wentz is right now, and then Jalen Hurts comes in, and now this is the Eagles team that we've been waiting for and we've been expecting. And this whole situation takes me back to Baltimore when you had Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson sitting on that bench learning from him. Joe Flacco had the big contract, you know, Lamar Jackson's a rookie coming in, and lo and behold, Joe Flacco sucked his last year in Baltimore. He just wasn't the Joe Flacco. Look, I know we can still have that conversation. If he's a leak, Lamar Jackson came in, and the rest is history. Now you don't even think about the Joe Flacco um, era of the Baltimore Ravens. And I think if you have someone like Hurts, and Chris touched on it, you beat the Saints. My biggest worry for Jalen Hurts, like you put him in the first game to start against the Saints, I was nervous for him. I was scared, and he went in and lit it up. We saw Jalen Hurts in college. He was able to do that now. And so I think you look at Carson Wentz, and I think you think the future is now. Because we're looking at this NFC East. It's a lot of young teams in this division. Right now, you're looking at that Washington team. You touched on it, Tariqa. Washington looks pretty good. And even their big question is the quarterback situation. When you think about Alex Smith, and you talk about who is the best quarterback in this division. If the Eagles want to be competitive in the NFC East, if Carson Wentz does not change his game quickly and anytime soon, you do have to look to get away from him. And you do have to start putting faith in your young quarterback. The guys want to rally behind the young quarterback. And Jalen Hurts was able to do that. I haven't seen Philly this happy all season long. So I think now is the time you have to start thinking about what to do with Carson Wentz. So when all good things come to an end, I think Carson Wentz's time is coming to an end. I also saw it in Washington when we saw the demise of RG3 after the injury. And Carson Wentz is just no more. And I think if the Eagles, again, want to be competitive, you have to move away from him because Jalen Hurts is hot. When a young quarterback knows it's his team, I think that's when you can see him shine, shine bright. And I think with Jalen Hurts at the helm, teams are going to be afraid of uh, the Philadelphia Eagles once again. Listen, it nauseates me, right? I have to say, it nauseates me to the deepest pits of my stomach to see Eagles fans happy, to see them joyous, to see them anything other than miserable. And I did not have the Eagles coming out of the division this year. It was the Cowboys who were supposed to take it. It was the Cowboys who were supposed to go ahead and win the Super Bowl this year. It was the Cowboys who were supposed to come out of the NFC East. It was the Cowboys who were supposed to come out of the uh, NFC, and they broke my heart in so many different pieces. I, I don't. It's going to take me the entire summer to recover from this because it has just been a terrible season for me. It has been terrible. We're three and nine. We look terrible. I've never seen the Cowboys in worse shape. It is the worst Cowboys team I have ever seen in my life, and my soul hurts. My heart is broken. I don't know how I'm going to go ahead and recover from this travesty that is the Dallas Cowboys. They do this to me every year, but never like this, and I'm sick. But I will say that the point of the young quarterback knowing it is his team, I've seen it. Maybe not in the same way that it happened to Carson Wentz being benched just because you were bad, but I've seen it with Dak Prescott, Tony Romo. Romo goes down. Dak gets his moment and the rest is history. So if the NFC is anything like a history book and they say history repeats itself, Jalen Hurts may be the new starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. And Carson Wentz, you know, who knows? We don't know where he's going to go. But Washington is a team in the NFC East and they are going to face a Seattle Seahawks team that has been struggling on offense. Yes, they got a win recently, but they've been struggling. They have not looked like the Seahawks that I picked to go ahead and make the Super Bowl this year. So I'm going to have to change my pick. I'm sorry, Russell Wilson. I love you, but you guys just don't look the same. Chris, you cover the Seahawks. What is going on with them offensively and also defensively? What is the problem in Seattle? Offensively, they're having musical chairs on the offensive line, and that ultimately has led to a lot of just a lot of a lot of mess happening. 
a lot of it has to do with receivers not catching the ball. I mean, there's I've watched these games a few times, and Russ is throwing good balls. The cats are just not catching them. That goes a that plays a role in it. You have blocking that's not doing too well, and you have receivers such as Ty Lockett, who has a career high in drops this season. If I'm not mistaken, he's at seven right now, which is insane. And DK Metcalf, he also has, I think, eight or nine. That can't happen. And defensively, they're getting a groove of things. Jamal Adams breaking records. I mean, my man is a safety, and he's leading the Seahawks in sacks. He's, I think, tied for eighth or tenth in the NFL with eight and a half. He's playing really well, but ultimately it comes down to this offense kind of hitting a rud. And sure, you can say Russell Wilson has played a part in it, but he's only, I think his worst game might have been against the Buffalo Bills, and that was a while back, okay? Since then, he's kind of found his groove. The last interception he threw, it wasn't even his fault. He tried to throw it up to DK. I thought DK could have made a play on the ball. And this was against the Jets. That was his one interception. He threw four touchdowns. It was minute. I I didn't really have a problem with it. But ultimately, he just has to play at an MVP-type level each game. And that's a lot to ask of Russ. And I remember early on in the season, talking on the podcast with my boy Mike Dugar, who covers the Seahawks for The Athletic, we ask, is this something that he can sustain where he's throwing four touchdowns, no interception, over 300 yards? And we knew the answer was no. And we saw what has happened. Teams are really coming in trying to slow Russ down. They're going to blitz him. They're going to make things tough for him. And ultimately, that that's what they're doing. And they needed this win against the Jets because not only did they destroy the Jets, they beat them bad. And they did it on both ends of the field, defense and offensively. Granted, Hopefully, in this upcoming game against the Washington football team, they'll have the right tackle back and Brandon Shell back, who they got from the Jets last season, who they pretty the Jets just gave up on this talent. They're, they said, we're done with you. And the Seahawks found a gem in this guy, and he's played really well. He just hasn't stayed healthy. And if health persists to be a problem, I don't see how this team can go pretty far in the postseason run. They need someone to solidify that right tackle position, and Russ needs to have that confidence that, oh, I got protection on the right side. I got my guy, Dwayne Brown, who's been doing this for years on my left. I'm good on my blind side. I'm good to go. If that's not there, that becomes an issue. The run game has been up and down all season with Chris Carson missing time, but he's back now. You also have Carlos Hyde, who has played pretty well for the most part. He got banged up. And you got Rashad Penny, who is looking probably to come back on Sunday against the Washington football team. We had Mike Garofolo on earlier today with on the radio show that I work for. And he was saying that don't be surprised if Rashad Penny makes his debut against the Washington football team. And now you have Penny, you have Carson, and you have Carlos Hyde. I mean, this offense could get rolling at the right time. But for the most part, what we saw this season is Russ just, he had a few bad games. And those bad games really affected this team, offensive and defensively. And of course, when you have your arguably your best player on the offense playing terrible, it doesn't really help a DK Metcalf, a Tyler Lockett, a Chris Carson who's in and out of the lineup with injuries. It doesn't really help. And you're hoping the Seahawks are hoping to get Greg Olson back, who is a veteran tight end who can create plays, and he's solid in the run game. Ultimately, we'll see what the Seahawks team is made of in their last three games when they will be battle-tested, especially going up against this Washington football team with Chase Young and Montez Sweat. They got some boys on that, some dogs on that D-line. And then you got the – you got the – Los Angeles Rams almost said the old name, but caught myself there. But the Los Angeles Rams, they're the best defense probably in the NFL at this point. And then you go up against the Niners. Seattle's got a tough little schedule coming up. We will see what they are all about in these next three games. 
Listen, you mentioned that they beat the Jets. I mean, the six of us can go out there and beat the Jets. They're, they're okay. It's not that impressive. They're severing. They're severing for Trevor. Okay, sever for Trevor is the hashtag. But you mentioned Jamal Adams and Michael. I need you to zoom in on me when I say this because the Dallas Cowboys were supposed to go after Jamal Adams. That was the conversation that I had in my head with Jerry Jones. We were supposed to go after him. That was supposed to be my secondary weapon that I've been struggling to obtain that I needed after they let Byron Jones walk to Miami, who was picking off Patrick Mahomes over the weekend. Okay, my secondary is struggling. Jerry, you see what you did? You see how he's balling out in Seattle, right? That was supposed to be our guy, Jerry. He wanted to come to Dallas. He's from Texas, Jerry. You were supposed to get it done. I'm sick of this. I'm tired of you, Jerry Jones. I'm so fed up. I'm over it. I'm done. I'm good now. But I'm I'm so fed up. I'm just, I'm fed up. I can't take it anymore. Moving on. Do you remember, I got that, that, do you remember that, that song by, by DJ Khaled and Usher? Fed up? I'm so fed up. It's not I'm even so funny. Sick. <laughs> I'm so tired of being sick and tired. You named it. You put nail right on the head. But Kelsey, I want to ask you because you are in the DMV. Chase Young, I mean, he eats quarterbacks for breakfast. And Seattle, listen, Russell Wilson's taking a beating. I mean, defenses are on him like white on rice. What can Seattle do to try to slow down Chase Young when they face off against each other over the weekend? That's the big question. And the question is, can they do anything to stop Chase Young? Look, we're already talking about him for Defensive Player of the Year in Washington. And I'll be honest with you guys, Washington is riding high right now. I haven't seen the DMV this excited about the Washington football team in a good while. And a big reason about that is number 99 and Chase Young. You talked about Montez Sweat, Chris, Ryan Kerrigan. I mean, it goes on and on. Cameron Curl getting the interception last week. Jimmy Moreland. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Jonathan Allen. Like, this defense is one that's super scary. And it's why people cannot count out the Washington football team. And many do think, I'm one of those people that think that they will come out of the NFC East. And of course, Chase Young is used to being doubled. But when you double him, guess what? The rest of that defensive front is still very good and they will get to the quarterback. I think Montez Sweat has kind of been the unsung hero. He's playing alongside Chase Young, so it's hard to get any recognition where you are, but he's just been a beast this year. I just did an interview with Jonathan Allen. Another, I mean, you can touch on just so many different pieces of this Washington football team. Defensive-wise, they are set. Russell Wilson, he, I, he's going to end up on his back. I'm sorry, probably a couple times in this game. And let me tell you, there are some. I'm one of those that think that Washington, if they can keep this momentum up, we just saw what they did against the 49ers, that they possibly can beat the Seahawks team if they don't get it together. It's very hard because when you double one of those uh, defensive fronts, everybody else is coming for you. That's how good they are on paper. And what's scary about mm -hmm. the NFC East is that all of these guys are young. I have to remind myself, you guys, when I'm doing interviews with the, with the team, I'm older than half the team, and I'm not the <laughs> young this team is, and they're only going to get better. And that's the scary thing about Chase Young. He's only going to get better. He's learning so much. And best believe Chase wants that sack. You know, his mom, I've talked to Chase Young's parents. His parents think they can get him that sack, uh, especially his dad, you know, obviously his biggest supporter. But I don't know. Like I said, if you stop Chase Young, everybody else is coming for you. So, Russell, I hope he has – the best offensive line day that day, because if not, Seattle just might be in trouble. And remember, Washington knows every game from here on out is very important because that's how close this division is. And they truly believe that this is the year for them. Ron Rivera has made this team believe they've embraced this underdog mentality. And they're coming for that number one spot, y'all. So you talked about we them boys. Look, Washington believes that they can walk in anybody's trap and take over.
Listen, mm-hmm. it, again, it pains me from the depths of my soul to say it, but Washington looks good. I hate to have to say it, but I'm going to say it. Before I get your NFC predictions for the championship game, Tarika, I want to ask you, the MVP, I had Russell Wilson winning it this year, but seeing how the Seahawks win it, are looking rather right now, is that even a possibility anymore? I don't think so. And I think it's very interesting that even in the years that we've seen Russell Wilson be phenomenal, he's never received an MVP vote. So like no one has ever thought that he's been MVP. Ridiculous. But again, this goes back to the, the one alien who walks this earth and wears the name of Patrick Mahomes. Like that's your MVP. And, and unfortunately for everyone else who has to play in this league with him at the same time, it's going to be hard to, to outshine him for that award. We had a conversation recently on another show that I was on about Derrick Henry and how he's playing and how amazing he's running the ball. And in any other world against anybody else, he would have a legitimate shot at being the MVP, not against Patrick Mahomes. And so when you look at Russell Wilson and what he's doing and um, just his overall body of work and coming up, he's going to have a true test against him. He is the MVP of the Seattle Seahawks, but I just don't see anybody knocking Patrick Mahomes out of the spot of being the MVP of the league. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. Like I said, I'm a big Russell Wilson fan, and I had the Seahawks making the Super Bowl. I had Russell Wilson finally getting his MVP, and now it looks like that is just not going to be a possibility. But again, anything is possible. So before we move out of the NFC East, well, not the NFC East. See, look, I'm already thinking, I just hate the Cowboys. Before we move out of the NFC and and entering the Super Bowl and getting your predictions there, I want to ask you, who's going to be in this championship game? Michael, let me start with you. So uh, this is going to be interesting, right? So it looks like the Saints, if they lose this weekend, it's pretty much Green Bay's first round bye to to take. And and we all have to remember that, right? There's seven teams now, so only one team gets a bye. I really appreciate you, NFL. We know you all need more money. So they only, there's only one team that gets a bye. So I do think if the Packers take that one seed, it's going to be real hard for someone to go in and them to lose two games in Lambeau. So I do think... It's going to be the Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship game. I really wouldn't be surprised to see them in the Super Bowl either. Um, and then after that, I think it's a crapshoot, right? Like, I think the Saints are good. But as we were talking about before, like, Taysom Hill sucks. Like, and I don't know if we're going to see Drew Brees. Let's be very honest about that. I don't think we could take anyone from the NFC Beast. Say it with me, Ashley. NFC Beast with a B. I will not. I come will on, not. Ashley. Come on. I, I, I will say whoever comes out of the NFC East. I will put money on to win that first playoff game because it's just too perfect. They're of course they're going to win that game for no reason. Uh, so I do think it's going to be probably the Packers and then like maybe Tom Brady figures it out. Like that would be kind of cool, right? Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, like, but I, I don't know. Like the Rams are hot, but then they go and lay an egg against the 49ers. I think the, the, the NFC in general is crazy. I guess I would go Rams and Bucks just for the hell of it. Actually. All right, Daniel. I'm going to go with Packers in the NFC and I think Saints. And I, like I think it. that's going to be a crazy game. We get to see Breeze, who I do think comes back, Breeze versus Rodgers. And I think that's, as fans, the best we can ask for. Yeah, especially because the Saints have been screwed over so many times these past few seasons and missed Super Bowls that I feel like they should have made. So that would be great to see. Kelsey, go ahead. Give me your pick. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to count out Aaron Rodgers. And if it is the Saints, it's hard to also count out the Saints. But if, if Drew Brees does come back, I just need him to come out of that tunnel like Lamar Jackson did <laughs> on Monday night. I need that epic return 
if Drew Brees does come through. But I think mm, the Saints still worry me a bit because like, we just don't know about that. I do also have questions about the Rams, even though I love their defense. And even Seattle, we're talking about it. But somehow, I don't know, I feel like Russell Wilson is tired of being that underdog. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go Seattle Seahawks and Packers. Okay, Chris, go ahead. Give me your pick. Ashley, you mentioned the fact that the Saints have had unfortunate luck. You look at two years ago, <laughs> some guy decides to try to hit stick and he gets all air. Results in yeah. a Minnesota touchdown. And the next year, officials are like, pass interference. We didn't see that. And they brought out a new rule saying, hey, you know what? You can challenge pass interference. That didn't really work out. Abolish that rule. The next season, they go up against the Minnesota Vikings. Clearly an offensive pass interference on Kevin Rudolph. Refs are like, nah, didn't see it. Game over. Three back-to-back seasons, this Saints team has just fallen short. I think this year they get over the hump. Did they win the Super Bowl? I don't know. But I think they make it and they get to the Super Bowl. It's just their time. They have an opportunity. Drew Brees is going to come back. He's going to look, I think, just as good as he was prior to getting hurt. Michael Thomas is going to do what he does. He's always open. Kamara is going to do his thing. The defense is going to be going lights out. I think it's just their chance and their opportunity. And I I just got to roll with it. I would love to pick the Seahawks, but offensively, I don't know if they're going to be as strong as I think they need to be against a good or a better team defensively, whether it be the Rams, the Packers, whether it be even to slow down Aaron Rodgers and those guys. I mean, those are things that you have to think about. I'm going with the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. I'm just telling you right now. Okay. So who's your NFC championship breakdown, though? It's the Saints and the who? I'm going to go with D-Belts. I'm going to say the Packers as well. I think they're just going to have to find a way to win in that blistering, freezing weather and on the way to the Super Bowl, we're fourth and warm weather. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tarika, go ahead. Give me your pick. So I'm probably the only one up here who's not going to pick the Packers. I feel like Aaron Rodgers has a problem of letting teams hang around too long who shouldn't hang around that long. And because of that, when you get in postseason mode, look, any given Sunday, right? So um, it's a possibility that even though they would get the first round by, they could come across a team that's hot at the right moment. It could be the Bucks, you know, it could be the Rams. And honestly, I think that's who it might be. Um, so I'm looking at the Rams and the Saints in the, in the uh, NFC championship, you know, defense wins games. So defense wins championships. So they say, and I think this is going to be the perfect opportunity for us to really see if that's going to hold true. Because again, I'm one who believes that the Saints defense is the reason why they are the way they are. I think that's the reason why they're able to allow Drew Brees to continue to sit on a bench and get some get some health up under his belt before bringing him back in. But I think this is their year. Again, I don't know. I'm like, Chris, I don't know if that means they go to the Super Bowl, but I'm willing to, to say that I don't think the Packers, um, I think they're going to let the wrong team hang around in the wrong moment, and it's going to cost them their, their, their trip to the NFC Championship. So thanks, Rams. I definitely agree with you when it comes to the Packers. I look at some of the games against Jaguar, the Jaguars, Jacksonville, how they let them hang around way too long. You look at some of the other games they played this season, mm-hmm. and I think that is definitely a nick in their belt. It's a fault in their game. And it's the same reason I'm not picking them either. I have it actually being the Saints and the Rams going to the NFC Championship. I think Aaron Donald is a monster. I think mm-hmm. the Rams look a lot better than they have in previous seasons. They finally gelled together as a team. They look like a team. And I think this is the year the Saints don't get screwed. I think the rest are done screwing the Saints over, <laughs> done screwing Dream Breeze over. 
I think they're not going to do it this time around. And we're going to go ahead and see golf and um, breeze in the, in the NFC championship game. And, you know, I'll get everyone's Super Bowl predictions, but you can determine which one is going to come out on top of that in that scenario. So moving into the Super Bowl, as we wrap up this show, I want to get everyone's two early Super Bowl predictions. Obviously, a lot can happen in four and a half, five weeks, but we're going to have the conversation anyway. So, Daniel, I'm starting with you. Who's going to the Super Bowl and who's winning it? The Chiefs and I think the Packers. And I think Chiefs repeat. I think it's going to be a season where all the defending champions in the major sports repeat. And I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think (laughs) Patrick Mahomes will win another uh, Super Bowl MVP. And his trajectory is going to be insane for what he is now. If he wins that second Super Bowl MVP, another MVP, and just leads, you could already throw him in the discussion for top five quarterback of all time, I think, if he does that. Maybe even top three. All right. Kelsey, go ahead. Super Bowl predictions and winner. Yeah, I think we better get used to seeing Patrick Mahomes in a lot more commercials because I have the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. So sorry for I've seen him in the State Farm commercials and anything else that he's doing because he's that great and he's Patrick Mahomes. I think I'm going to agree. It's hard to pick. I, as much as I want to pick the Saints, you guys, I don't think the refs are ever going to be on their side in the playoffs. I'm going to go. Packers. I just got to be real. And again, Aaron Rodgers has something to prove. We saw what happened in this year's draft. He's playing with that monkey on his shoulder. And um, I think I think he's going to try to get to the promised land. All right. Chris, go ahead. I know you gave it to us before, but get, give it to us one more time. Who's going to the Super Bowl and who's winning the whole thing? I got the Saints and the Chiefs. And I got the Saints holding up Lombardi. Drew Brees gets to go off with a Super Bowl ring. Lovely story. <laughs> Listen, I like it. You know I'm a Breeze fan, so I'm down with it. Go ahead, Tariqa, give me your picks and your winner. Yeah, I got the Chiefs and the Saints in the Super Bowl, and it's going to be the Chiefs. And, Chris, I'm going to do you one better. I'm not Chris Daniel. I'm going to do you one better. I think if Patrick Mahomes gets a Super Bowl ring, another MVP, and a Super Bowl MVP, you can already throw him in the Hall of Fame discussion. Big statement. Don't don't talk to Daniel about repeats. He's been talking about the Lakers winning the 2021 championship since they won the 2020. I'm, I'm so Hi, sick and tired of him. I just can't listen to it anymore. Michael, go ahead. Give me your predictions and your winner. Who's taking it? Yeah, actually, so I don't think the Chiefs make the Super Bowl, as weird as it sounds. I mean, I think it's going to be a crazy game, but I think, again, just going back to Derrick Henry and, and them figuring it out the second time around, they did lose to the Chiefs the first time. I think they're going to figure out a way to truck stick Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. As we've been saying, you know, the one thing you don't like about the Packers is they let teams hang around. The Chiefs do the exact same thing. So I would not be surprised if something like that happens. I do think that the Packers come out. Aaron Rodgers has kind of been on a middle finger tour all year since that first round quarterback got picked. Um, and, And I think he is he's really on board with it. So I think it's going to be the Packers. I think it's going to be the Titans. And I think the Packers end up actually taking it home. And I'm actually going to go ahead and agree, and this never happens, guys, because if you watch these shows that we do, me and this person hardly ever agree, but this time we're in sync. I'm going to agree with Chris. I think it's going to be the Chiefs and the Saints, and I think the Saints are going to get that Super Bowl they've kept getting robbed of these previous seasons. I think we're going to see why Drew Brees is a GOAT and why he's going to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Um, I do think that the Chiefs are going to be in the Super Bowl many, many, many seasons to come. But I don't know if they're going to repeat. Repeating is very, very hard. And we had this conversation when it comes 
to football versus basketball. One mistake in a Super Bowl can cost you that championship. One mistake can cost you that Super Bowl. One mistake can cost you holding up and hoisting up that trophy. So I think the Saints have been here before. I know that they know that Drew Brees' time is ticking away. He doesn't have much more in him. And I think they're going to win this for him. I just feel like the stars are going to align perfectly at the right moment for the Saints. And that's not going to discredit the Chiefs. They're going to be around, like I said, for many seasons. But repeating is a very hard thing to do. Not a lot of the teams can do it. And that's why Tom Brady is the GOAT. That's why the Patriots are one of the greatest dynasties in the NFL. Because that is not something that many teams can do. You see that star behind me? We've done it. Shout out to the 90s. How about them boys? We've done it. (laughs) But um, a lot of teams haven't done it. And and I think that this is a year that we're going to see that that's the case. That it's not as easy as people make it seem. So... Drew Brees, get ready because you're winning the Super Bowl this year, my guy. We're going to send you off right, okay? I promise we are going to send you off right. So I thank everybody here for joining me today for this NFL playoff preview show. And before I let everybody go, I want to just go around the room one more time and allow everyone to tell us where we can follow you, where people watching can follow you. And Michael, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, so you can follow me at Michael Raziel one You can see a lot of our stuff with the NBA season coming up with Win Daily right here. We're going to be having a lot, a lot, a lot of content on the HMB Media page. So please come enjoy it. We have a lot of fun and we make you a lot of money along the way. So it doesn't get much better than that. Or they don't and then you can curse them out. It just well, depends on the day. That's engagement <laughs> though, right? We like engagement. That's fun too. Tarika, go ahead. Take it away. Yeah, well, you can find me on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Sports underscore. It's the same on all three. Love it. Chris? You see my handle? It's right there. (laughs) But yeah, you can follow me on Twitter there and catch me when I'm talking hoops with my homies Thomas and TPJ, or I'm on the show with D-Bells talking about how the Lakers are repeat champions or even on All In. Or hopefully when I get rolling with different covers, I got to find out what I can do with that. But you can also check out the Seahawks Man to Man podcast available wherever you get podcasts. And again, it's just an in-depth look at the Seattle Seahawks from talking with players to talking to other journalists about this, their other, the teams that they're covering. And other than that, yeah, thanks for having me on. <laughs> All right, Kelsey, go ahead and take it away for us. Yeah, this was a blast first off to have for having me on. So much fun with you guys. We gotta do this again. I'm on social media. I just switched it. The real K Nelson on all social media platforms and on Facebook, just Kelsey Michael Nelson. Check out my shows with the Washington football team. Every Thursday, a new episode drops for the life with Fred Smoot, who's my co-host, and every Friday I do a fashion show called The Fit. Saturday morning, check me out on NBC Sports Washington and then check out my show, listen to with KNN on Fox Sports Radio and all my social media platforms. Live stream shows every Thursday at 6 and every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. So lots of great content. I'm joined by celebrity and athlete guests every week. So you guys don't want to miss it. And Daniel, and I swear to God, if you say Lakers and repeat in the same <laughs> sentence, I'm going to fly to L.A. and fight you. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. You can follow me at King Watch LA, where we will be discussing the Lakers doing it again. and where we just discussed the greatness of Talon Horton Tucker and where he takes us next season. And with the season coming up, content will be dropping on H&B Media TV every week, so follow there. And I pray to God, anybody watching this, anybody, please, please take down the Lakers because I can't do this for a year. I can't do this for another year. I can't. I can't. Somebody, please, defeat them, beat them, cheat. I don't care. Just do it. 
But I'm Ashley Nicole Moss, and this has been All In, and you can follow All In on YouTube. You can also check out new content on the HMV Media channel, and you can follow me. My handle's right there, at Ashley Nicole Moss, both on Twitter and on Instagram, where I cover both NBA and NFL, and hopefully this time next year, you see me looking like an obnoxious Cowboys fan after we have won the Super Bowl, or headed to the Super Bowl, rather. Um, I know Jerry's going to do right by me because I am tired of losing and he's tired of pissing me off. So it's going to be good. The Knicks are also going to win the championship that year. It's going to be oh, a good wow. year. It's going to be a good year for all my teams. I just know it. It's I have I feel it in my gut. 2021, is, well, 2022 rather, is going to be the year of Ashley's teams. And I'm so excited for the future. But in the meantime, before that happens, I thank everybody so much for joining us. And we will do this next. We'll do this another time. And we'll see everybody soon. Peace. Bye, everybody. See you guys. Bye, guys.